You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Our text today is found in Proverbs chapter 15. It's verse 13 through 18. And there's something about the way this passage is written that just appeals to me. I don't know, maybe it's the phrasing that Solomon uses as he contrasts those that exhibit healthy emotions to those who don't. And I I find it humorous and it just appeals to me. And reading from the New Living Translation, it says, A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while a fool feeds on trash. I think that's the part right there that kind of got my attention. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Better to have a little with fear for the Lord than have great treasure in inner inner turmoil. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Kind of sounds like Dr. Seuss there for a moment. (laughs) A hot-tempered person starts fights, but a cool-tempered person stops them. And so we're in our fourth week of the Transformed series by Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church in California. And today we're going to be talking about our emotional health with a message titled, How to Deal with What We Feel. And we'll be addressing questions like, why do I have emotions? What purpose do they serve? And am I able to manage them? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we uh, open your word, we ask that our hearts would be prepared. Father, that they would be like good soil, that the seed of your word can come in and germinate, and Father, that it will bear forth fruit in our lives so that your name would be glorified. Teach us today by your Holy Spirit that my words be clear, concise, and easy to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, did you know that half of the world's population, that's 4.9 out of the 7.4 billion people in the world, have cell phones or smartphones. One pastor reported that while he was in Kenya, he saw people that didn't have any water, that had to walk a great distance to get their water, but they all had a cell phone or a smartphone. And the popularity of of smartphones is is growing daily. And I, I read an article last week that said that by the year 2019, the average American will spend 42 hours a week on their smartphone, and that's in use beyond making a phone call, 42 hours. I think it's fair to say that we're addicted to our smartphones. And with the popularity of the smartphone came something that is called an emoji. Now, when you look at the word emoji, it kind of looks like a shortened form of emotion, but that's just a coincidence. You see, emoji comes from two Japanese words that are are put together, one meaning face and one meaning character. And so we have face characters, and uh, we use them to give a range of expression within a text message. Uh, By portraying a specific emotion 
through facial gestures. And so just like our, our passage declares, a glad heart makes a happy face. Now back before we had emojis, we had something called emoticons, and they're just kind of like a prehistoric emoji. They're a pictorial expression of uh, using punctuation marks, numbers, different characters on the keyboard, and they express a person's mood or feelings, and we've all seen them. There's a picture of it right there. Well, did you know that on September 19, 1982, Scott Fallman, a computer scientist at Carnegie Mellon University, was the first documented person to use an emoticon. And I say documented because emoticons have been around for a lot longer than that. In fact, in your King James Version of your Bible, did you know that it contains an emoticon? Yeah. In 1 John 1, right between verses 2 and 3, there's a wink. Check it out. It says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Wink. <laughs> that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you. And so you're probably not going to read your Bible the same way again. And so our message is, how do, do, how do we deal with what we feel? And our point number one is, why do I have emotions? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why do I feel what I'm feeling? Well, the Bible doesn't really use the word emotions, but we see words like passion, affection, and heart when it speaks to us about our emotions. In Matthew 22, when asked about which commandment is the most important? Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. So all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Do you hear the passion in that, the emotion? Our emotions and our feelings, they, they have to be involved when we worship. If they're not, then we're like those people in Isaiah 29. It says that we honor God with our lips, but our heart is far from him. And so our relationship with God includes all of our being. It includes our intellect, our will, and our affection. And we all have emotions, don't we? In fact, there are many instances recorded by the gospel writers in which Jesus, as a man, expressed emotion. Let me give you just a small sampling of that. In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Matthew 8, 10 says, When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Mark 3, verse 5, says that he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. John eleven thirty three, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her were weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. 
Mark 9, verse 36 says, Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then John eleven thirty five 35 tells us Jesus wept. These verses demonstrate how Jesus, who is God in the flesh, expressed the full range of emotion just as we do. Emotions are part of the heart that God gave us. To be alive is to have feelings and passion. Life is full of thrills and chills and spills, and we get excited. We get disappointed. We can be elated and sometimes terrified. But there's nothing better than being in love or feeling deeply about someone that has shown an interest in us. Wouldn't life be dull if there was never any laughter or sorrow? Only a mechanized tedium of everyday living. You know, it's our feelings about the things and other people around us that make life so fascinating. And it's almost magical when someone can make you laugh. Or when that special someone smiles at you. The fact that we can blush, get embarrassed, shed a tear, is part of what makes us the fascinating creation that we are. Now write this down. This is worth the price of your admission today. My ability to feel is a gift from God. My ability to feel is a gift from God. If you don't get anything else out of this message, take that with you. My ability to feel is a gift from God. You see, God created us in his image. And Psalm 139 reminds us just how amazingly, marvelously, wonderfully God made us. In verses 13 and 14 of Psalm 139, David wrote, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. But I especially like how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. So I took an anatomy class also, Paul. And just as you described, the body is a fascinating thing. The, the cells, the molecules, just how God has put everything in motion and how each one has a special purpose. And if any one of them doesn't fulfill that purpose, then the whole body suffers. And so God has created us this way. And emotions are a huge part of what make us who we are. Emotions add flavor to life. Think about what life would be like if everything that you ate tasted like a chicken nugget. Now, for my daughter, this would be absolutely the most amazing thing because especially if they were served with a tub of ranch dressing. But I think for the rest of us, it would get very old very, very fast. You know, without emotion, life would be bland. 
Emotions can be an indicator as to where we are in life. Now, each of us is created with this gauge inside of us, and I'll call it a filler gauge. And it, usually there's a pointer that goes from zero to 10. Now, those that exhibit healthy emotions, their pointer naturally sits around a two or a three. But for many years, I struggled with insecurity and a poor self-image. And so my pointer set right around a four or a five. And if anyone would look at me a certain way or say something negative, immediately that pointer in my filler gauge would be buried at 10 because I would perceive that I was being rejected. And then I would behave that way. I withdrew myself from pe people and just kind of turned into myself. I couldn't look anybody in the eye. It even affected my posture. I would walk around just like this. And so, wow, that, that confused me there. <laughs> and so our emotions can identify when something isn't right. Our emotions are neither good nor bad, but they're real. We all feel angry at times and sad, disappointed, happy. We have all these emotions and they serve like indicators on a dashboard. Now, when I got in my car to come to church this morning, I had a light that showed up on my dashboard that, in the shape of a gas gauge or a gas pump. And so it was an indicator that there was something wrong with my car. It was thirsty. It needed some gasoline. And so I had to stop and take care of that. And our emotions do that. They're Indicators, they signal to us when there's something wrong or maybe something that needs to be investigated a little deeper. Our emotions are a product of our thought life and they reflect whatever we think or what we're believing. Now, there's a story about a man who was traveling a country road and it was late at night and he had a flat tire. And so he stopped his car and he got out, he opened the trunk, he got his lug wrench, he pulled out the spare tire. And he's looking around and he noticed that he didn't have a jack. What was he going to do? And so he began looking around, scratching his head, and he noticed off there in the distance, there was a house. He says, that's a farmhouse. And I bet the owner of that house is a farmer. And he probably has a jack that I can borrow. And so he starts off across the field. And as he's going, he begins to think, you know what, it doesn't look like there's any lights on in that house. I bet if I knock on the door, I'm going to wake up this farmer that's in there asleep, and he's going to be mad at me. He's probably going to yell at me. About that time, he gets to the door, and he just pounds. Lights begin to turn on inside the house. Finally, a man opens the door and says, can I help you? Well, the man just burst out in anger. He says, well, if that's the way you feel, just keep your crummy old jack. <laughs> you see, we can't always control directly what we're feeling, but we can control what we're thinking, what we're believing. Emotions can move us to action. That's what they're designed for is to quickly uh, praise a situation or an experience and to signal to us 
to move into action. For example, imagine that you're negotiating a contract and you begin to get anxious. Something doesn't feel right. Well, that's your emotional system signaling to you that something's not right. Something needs further, further evaluation. Well, at that moment that we have a choice, we can either be disrupted by our anxiety or we can look a little bit closer. What are we feeling? Does this person remind us of somebody who took advantage of us in the past? Is this person trying to do the same thing? Maybe it's just a particular mannerism that has triggered an emotional or an anxious response. Now, in regards to our emotions, there are two extremes that we need to be aware of. There's emotionalism, and that says that we're driven by our feelings and that all that matters is how I feel. And so I respond whichever way my emotions direct me. And then the other extreme is stoicism. And that's the mindset that, you know, your feelings aren't really important. All that matters is your intellect, your volition, your will. And so we suppress and we ignore those intense emotions rather than try to deal with them or figure them out. We tend to bury our emotions. I've seen people with heart issues and ulcers that resulted from burying and stuffing their emotions. And so there's the two extremes where we're controlled by our emotions and where we ignore them. Point number two of our message is, why is it important to manage my emotions? Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. Our emotions can send out, and they often do, false alarms. But that doesn't mean that our emotions aren't real. It just means that they're misguided. Much of that filler gauge that I talked about is controlled by past experiences and, and painful hurts that we've experienced in the past. And when we find ourselves in a situation that's similar here in the present, all those feelings, all those emotions are triggered and we're faced with that choice. We can either give in to that and burst out in anger like the guy wanting to borrow a jack, or we can step back and evaluate, okay, I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling that way? You know, something as simple as a person's name can trigger an emotional response. Well, the next reason we need to manage our emotions is because my feelings can be manipulated. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now think about it. Walls around a city would provide boundaries. They provide protection against enemy forces that would try to come in and attack the city. And so a city without walls or broken down walls would be vulnerable to attack. Marketing takes full advantage of this. Think about this. You go to the store and you want to just rush in and 
grab a gallon of milk or maybe a dozen eggs. Where in the store do you think they place these items? Yeah, all the way in the back, and you have to walk through the store, and you see all of the products. Everything about marketing is to elicit an emotion. They put the bakery right up front. So as you were wanting to rush in and get your gallon of milk, you're hit by this wall of freshly baked bread, and the, amo- the aroma just immediately makes your salivary glands start, and you, your stomach starts rumbling. And then they pipe in music over the loudspeakers to get you to slow down, because they know that you're going to be hungry now after smelling that bread. And if they can slow you down and get you out of that mindset of, I'm just here to run an errand, well, now you're going to be hungry and you're going to be shopping. And you're just going to take items and you're going to put it in your cart. And, you know, you're just having a great time. And did you know your emotions can cause you to make some pretty bad decisions? Yeah. Now, don't raise your hand, but has anybody ever bought a car because your emotions got involved? And then you regret that decision for the next six years that you, it takes to pay for that car? Yeah, our emotions can be manipulated. Well, another reason to manage our emotions is because my feelings will try to control my life. It's our goal to yield to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to control our life. But God can't be in control if our feelings are. Romans 8, verses 6 and 7 says, Letting your sinful... Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Do you notice that there's never any peace whenever your emotions control your life? It's like being on a roller coaster. You know, you're up when it's good and you come crashing down whenever the vicissitudes of life. I did that for Pastor Bob. The vicissitudes of life is what he would always say. So when those feelings of your life being spiraled out of control and you're helpless to do anything about it, the devil takes advantage of those negative emotions and he uses them as a tool to attack us. Peter warns us in chapter 5, verse 8, says, and this is in 1 Peter. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Well, our third and final point of this message is, how can I deal with what I feel? Well, the first thing we need to do in order to deal with a feeling is we need to name it. You might be so disconnected from your feelings or you've grown accustomed to suppressing them or ignoring them that you really don't know what you're feeling. Sometimes feelings bombard us and maybe there's two or three things that hit us at the same time. You know, I think it's especially true of men because we tend to be the ones that are the stuffers, the ones that just push our feelings down because we don't want our emotions to show. Or maybe we just have trouble identifying what they are. 
Many times Ruth has asked me, what are you feeling? Nothing. Because I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling. We need to put a label to what we feel because that's the first step in managing our emotions. You can't manage a vague feeling. So we have to identify it. One of the ways that we do that is by thinking back. When did we first feel this emotion? What were we thinking? What was happening at the time that we felt this emotion? Often the cause of the emotion is a clue to what we're experiencing. For example, if your friend tells you that they can't make a planned uh, movie night, well, you might feel disappointed. Maybe you were turned down from a, a job. Well, you're hit with a gamut of emotions. You feel sad. You're angry. You feel inadequate. Doesn't mean that your feelings aren't real. You're feeling those things. You're experiencing it. But it could be misguided. And so we need to challenge it. And that's our, our next step in how to deal with what we feel. See, our emotions can hide deeper feelings, deeper things, deeper issues. As I mentioned before, they often send out false alarms. And so don't automatically uh, assume that everything that you're feeling is accurate. We need to test it, challenge it. Ask yourself, what am I really feeling? What am I thinking or believing? Our feelings reflect whatever it is that we're thinking, whatever it is that we're believing. And they're just like lights on the dashboard that indicate, hey, pause, step back, investigate. Why, are, why am I feeling this way? Well, once we've identified the feeling and the belief behind it, then we can change it. You see, for years, I felt insecure because my feelings of acceptance were based on a lie. I believed that I had to meet certain expectations of appearance or performance in order to be accepted. Well, in order to change what we feel, we need to change what we believe. Let me show you what that looks like. But first, let me take you through a worldly response. This is the way that we naturally tend to progress. We go from our feelings to a fact. It looks like this. I feel rejected. All of the past experiences in my life where maybe my friends were invited to an event and I was left out. Or on the playground, they were dividing up teams and I wasn't selected. When I'm in a situation where something is similar to that, maybe I don't get invited to go out to lunch. Whatever it is, I don't get selected for the, the marketing team, whatever. Those same feelings, those same emotions are triggered. And now I behave like I'm rejected immediately. Back into myself, I withdraw. I feel inadequate. 
I believe that. And everything that happens after that reinforces my inadequacy, my rejection. Well, if we continue in that path, that worldly response, then it's going to identify us by that feeling. It's going to become who we are. I am rejected. And that's the natural progression. We start with a feeling, and pretty soon that's our identity. I'm rejected. And you can't see anything beyond that, whatever the emotion. Let me show you what a godly response looks like. It's just the opposite. It moves with, from a fact, and then it moves and gets your feelings involved. A godly response starts with our identity in Christ. I am accepted. So whenever the devil tries to bring up those feelings caused by the past hurts, those past painful experiences, then I need to take those thoughts captive. I need to capture them right at the threshold where they try to enter my mind. And I need to line them up with, what does God say? I need to align them with the truth of God's word that tells me that because of the blood of Jesus, I am redeemed. All of my sins have been taken away. I belong to God. I've been bought with a price. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint. I've been adopted as his child. Well, because I believe God's word to be true, then I'm going to behave like a child of God. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit that is working in me to make me more like Jesus. I'm going to yield to his control rather than let my emotions control my life. And then because I behave that way, I'm going to feel that way. I'm going to feel loved, accepted, significant, and valued. Do you see the difference? The world wants to, you to start with a feeling and be controlled by that until that is your identity. Where God says, you are accepted. Gives us his word that assures us of the truth of that, then our belief grabs hold of it and we begin to feel that way and behave that way. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for just how wonderfully you've created us. Father, like the psalmist says, we marvel at your workmanship. Father, you've created us with emotion. It's a gift from you that we can feel these different emotions. But I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be controlled by them, but that we can yield to your spirit that we can exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So Lord, 
this week, I pray that something in this message would stick. We'd be able to grab onto it and apply it to our lives this week. Change us, Lord, for your glory. Transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.